0: Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we're broadcasting from the beautiful Sawyer, Michigan studio I am very happy to say that we are going to be having Kofi Baker on the show today. Kofi Baker is the son of Ginger Baker, who is the uh, the drummer for, um, for Cream and played with Jack Bruce and Eric Clapton and uh, did a lot of other things in his career. Uh, Ginger Baker died in 2019, and uh, there's an awesome movie on Ginger Baker called uh, Beware Mr. Baker, and uh, Kofi's actually in the movie being interviewed. It's a documentary, so, uh, and also Kofi Baker is playing at the Acorn Theater on February 3rd with uh, the Kofi Baker Cream Faith. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing that show and, uh, and having Kofi on the show today. Uh, to get us started off, I wanted to play uh, one of the songs from Kofi. This is um, Can't Find My Way Home. I'm sure you've all heard it before. Here we go.
1: Here's a tune that was called Can't Find My Way Home. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, that is Kofi Baker's Cream Experience playing uh, Can't Find My Way Home. I think that was a Blind Faith song originally, uh, but uh, very awesome. And again, we are really excited to have Kofi Baker on the, uh, on the show today. And in the meantime, just want to let you know, Johnny Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one, to- one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Caras Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at carascottages.com. That's Keras and Cottages with a K. And now uh, let's see if we can get Kofi Baker on. Okay, I'm here with Kofi Baker. Kofi, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, absolute pleasure. I hope all is well with you.
1: Everything's great, thank you. Okay. Uh, it's nice in uh, here in Indiana, nice and warm.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, not too, you know, warm for Indiana. I mean, we're not talking about yeah. you know twenty below zero yeah. this time. I mean, uh, we've got some pretty yeah. comfortable weather, but uh, yeah, it
1: has definitely been a good winter for. Normally, it's yeah, it's like minus twenty.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know it can get real cold, especially this is like that. Didn't we have a, a polar vortex like? Two years ago to the day, that was that was pretty bad. a couple of years ago when we had that, yeah, might have been I even, even longer.
1: We well, mm. England, and England's not as cold as uh, as out here. And we've been getting warmer and warmer. It's, in fact, England doesn't even snow anymore in the winter. But
0: that's
1: a kid, used to
0: that's amazing. And, and England is further north, but because of the uh, jet stream or yeah. something like that, something with the water.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the water. Yeah, we have a war, the warm channel where the water uh, goes warm to cold. It goes around England. So we get the warm water going around England. So it causes it to be very wet and rainy and gray all the time, but it warms it up.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. People have been living there for thousands of years and uh, and uh, just dealing with it. So it's kind of funny. You know, it's terrible. It's, it's like traditionally unpleasant weather. But uh, it's been a, a home for humans for the longest time. Anyways, well, I, spe- <laughs> speaking yeah. of homes, you're living in uh, northern Indiana now.
1: Uh, I am, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm close to Chicago and close to Michigan. And I'm close to kind of everything. So that's why I moved here. So I don't have to fly anywhere. I can drive to gigs, which is much more fun.
0: Yeah, right. I, I understand that. So how do how does it feel like living in um you know this part of the world after having grown up in England and um I think your dad lived in, in Australia for a time, so you know so my
1: dad lived my dad moved from England to Italy
0: uh-huh.
1: and then he got kicked out of Italy and moved to America, then got kicked out of America, then went to <laughs> South Africa. Oh, it was South Africa. Uh, and went back to England.
0: I got gotcha. you. Um, okay. So so the movie, um, Beware Mr. Baker, that was filmed in South Africa. I guess I kept thinking it was Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, South Africa.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that, and
0: and that, that was, was about 2010 or 11 when it was filmed, I'm thinking, because it came out in 2012, so... Uh, okay,
1: yeah, it took, I think it took a little bit more. I think it was recorded a little bit before that, but yeah, unfortunately, that was the... Uh, the Kitsie, uh time, um, that's when I lost contact with my dad when uh, he got involved with her. She was, um, I don't think she wanted to, him to have the other, be in touch with his old family. Um, so she kind of, um, I found out later, which is pretty awful, she was telling him that I didn't love him and I didn't care about him. And so she told me that he didn't care about me and didn't love me or anything. So she was just trying to. Obviously, uh,
0: keep him for her own. She
1: cha- yeah, she changed all the will and everything right before he died to make sure she got everything. And it was a shame because the drum kit, the, the leady snare drum that he played through cream, I had as a kid. That's what I grew up practicing on. Uh-huh. And then I gave back to him when I was about six or seven because uh, he wanted it back because he said, oh, it's, it's an antique drum and I'll look after it. I'll give it back to you, you know, when I die. And I'm like, OK, so I gave it back to him and he gave me this spare snare from his psychedelic kit, the uh, P- Perspex kit he was using in the 70s or, you know, late 70s, 80s. Yeah.
0: And
1: he, and he gave me that snare drum. So when my dad died, I was like, um, I would, you know, I saw my dad at the hospital right before he died. And he said, oh, he, w- he wanted you to have his drum kit. I go, I know, obviously, I would have his, you know, cymbals and drums and I would. You know, I'm going to take that snare drum and put it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because that's where it should be. I mean, it's an antique drum. It was made by Levy, which is before Ludwig. So it's really old and really nice drum. And then um, she managed to piss off the entire family (laughs) right before the funeral. So I had a toy. I was on the road at the time. I went to England and um, my dad got really sick and I, I got my flight, moved up as best I could. I went to got to England a little bit early and went to see him in the hospital, and that's when I saw him and he was, you know, that's when I had a really good relationship with, well, I could talk with him and it seemed like everything was cool and yeah. it was great. I got to go out, you know, go to Scotland and do the, do this tour and I'll be back in like six days. And uh, he was like, great, good to see you and I'm glad you're doing the music and, you know, it's great that you're going to carry it on. I was just like, this is really good, you know, conversation with my dad. This is great. And Cutty said, "Yeah, everything's cool. We'll give you the drums. You know, if anything happens, he wants you to have the drums." Because we knew he was dying. He was like, "Yeah, he was like really bad way." Um, so I went on the road, and I was on the road for three or four days, and and then I get a call from my dad's sister, who's the only one left alive, and she said, "Oh, Kutsie's done this, and she stopped. She's she won't communicate, and she's taken the." funeral stuff away from us and and we're not even allowed to talk to anybody and I was like, what? You're his you're the real family. Yeah. You're his His blood. Yeah, we're the blood family. And so she got this agent involved that was my dad's old agent that he didn't really like. You know, musicians and agents have a I've got a really good agent now, but normally agents are really, you know, bad people. I I've actually found a really good agent. Which I'm really happy with, but so um, I said to Kutzi, you know what the hell's going on? She was like, oh, she she went off on me. Said I was racist because I said I don't. Tr- I, she said I'm giving all every, all the information, all this book, all your dad's info to the agent. I go, don't give it to the agent. My dad would never want his personal numbers of Mick Jagger and Eric Clapton and all these people giving <laughs> to the agent. That's, that's the first person to give it to. And she goes. You, you know, I said I don't trust agents. I don't give it to the agent. She goes, you don't trust Asians, and she hung up on me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh God! So, and then she wrote me an email saying, oh, if you're racist against Asians, I'm black. How do you feel about me? And you are disgusting racist people. And she hung up on me. And I'm like, agent, we were talking about an agent. So she went off on me. So then I had. My family called me, my sister, my dad's sister called me. and everybody was like, because she's stopped us from contacting the, the, um, the funeral service and won't have us anything to do with it. And she handed everything over to this agent. And so the last thing I heard was my family said, we're not going to the funeral because she's banned us from doing this and banned us from this. And she won't give us the funeral thing. So we're not going. So you've got two choices. You can come with us. And we're going to have a celebration to my dad with all the family, all the cousins, everybody. Or you can go to the funeral that Kootsie's holding with people that I've never met before in my life, except for Kootsie. And I was like, well, obviously, my dad's dad is in a box. That's his body. That's not where his real spirit. His spirit's going to be with us, the family. So I went to my family, and we had a, you know, we, we had a little wake for my dad. You know. Um, Uh, whatever you call it, for my dad, Um, and Chrissy did this funeral thing, and she bugged, she called up Eric Clapton, she called up everybody telling them to come, and Eric was like, I don't know who this woman is, and I don't know why she's giving it to this agent that's now hounding me, I'm just gonna have to block the emails, and I said, Eric, I totally understand, Uh, maybe we can do something later on, you know, but I totally understand, so I don't know who went to the funeral, but I didn't go, um, and then I got uh, an email from Cootsie saying, you did nasty, you all this nasty stuff, saying you will never get his drums. You will never get one thing from him. You will never get anything. So that was the end of that. I never got, I was trying to get the kit. And so I ended up giving the spare snare he gave me to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I put that in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because that's all I yeah, had. So yeah. that was at least one thing. Because, I mean, my dad's, wasn't you know represented in the rock and roll hall of fame right so it, i could be there and i was hoping to get that that uh snared on me that, unfortunately the ride symbol that he used in cream he cracked it and it's even a documentary saying he cracked the ride symbol and he yeah. left it at home and i wrapped it in a dressing gown and used it as a practice symbol on my practice kit and unfortunately when my mum died my sister threw everything in my room in the trash. So the ride symbol went in the trash.
0: Oh my god. Was like, wow. That
1: was a that was the ride symbol that my dad used in cream and you just trashed it. <laughs> and I'm like, But there you go. So so I'm trying to get hold of that snare drum. So if any of your followers or anybody come across if she sells that kit to anybody, I urge whoever it is that buys it or whoever gets hold of it, however they get hold of it, if they could just put that snare drum. Or give it to me, and I'll put it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But it just—it should be there. That's where it should be. It should be
0: there, yeah. And your dad was inducted into the Hall, of, Hall the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame through his membership with Cream. Did he? Right. Uh, did he get into the Hall of Fame with any of his other productions or any of his other bands or anything?
2: I don't
1: think so. I mean, yeah. Blind Faith probably done it, but I think it was just um, uh, Cream. I mean, I would have thought Blind Faith would have gone into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too, but. Um, I think,
0: yeah, yes, I don't um, know about that. I wonder, um, but they should be in the rock and roll hall of fame if they're not, I mean, the, you know, cream, uh, uh, blind faith is, you know, just legendary. They're outstanding. You know, yeah.
1: Right, so that's why I do. Um, so now I do the music of cream and blind faith. I saw I that. Yeah. In there, um, but those were the two, um, bands that my dad was really well known with. I want to do some air force and some of his later stuff. Um, but right now I'm just getting this, um, all back together again. Cause I was on the road with the music of cream. I don't know if you, there was a, a thing called the music of cream. Yeah. This guy, yep. and which had Malcolm Bruce in it, Jack Bruce's son right. and, me, and, uh, Eric Clapton's nephew by marriage. But the manager, wasn't about the music; it was about money, which is again, this is what happens. Yeah. And um, fired Malcolm because Malcolm would, you know, play ball, and then he fired me because they wanted to just play, they wanted to play Clapton classics and Cream stuff because people, in field, it would be a better draw if we played Layla and Cocaine. And I'm like, that's not my dad's legacy. That's, that's right. to do yeah legacy. I'm not going to do it. So he forced me to do it because. At that point he'd taken over my entire career. He and he stopped me playing the cream experience and any other cream related bands because you can't have he kept telling me you can't be in a cream band and then be doing the musical cream. You can't have <laughs> you doing a cream you can't have cream things on the same level, so you've got to stop everything. So he ended up this is what managers do. Anybody out there listening that's, that's young and in the music business, do not let the manager control your life because they'll get to the point where now, your income is through them, so you have to do what they tell you, or you don't get paid. So, I had to finish this last four with Will Johns, which is again, you know, Eric Clapton's nephew, nephew. by marriage, right? By, ne- by marriage, not even blood related, sure. And he was such an asshole to Malcolm that Malcolm had Malcolm to Bruce right yeah and it's such an article to me that i said i don't want to do this anymore especially playing clapton classics so then he took will and i said i'll do the cream and Blind faith my dad's legacy let will do his clapton classics but don't use the cream angle because that's my dad's legacy right so what did he do he calls the band cream of clapton and then books the entire circuit that we were doing with me and malcolm So when I get my new agency, it's like, I can't play the same circuit. So I had to get a new agency. I had to start again. And this gig I'm playing, um, at your place. Uh, what's the Uh, the acorn
0: theater, the acorn theater in, uh, in three Oaks, Michigan. Right.
1: When I'm playing, that's one of our first, uh, gigs with the new band. Uh, we've played a couple of gigs, but this will be like the third, third gig with the new agency and new band. And, um, Like, I've just put some promo together, which I'm going to be sending out, which is shout out to the Acorn Uh, editing that video now. But, um, so this is the new, new band. And, um,
0: who's in the, who's in in the new band, Kofi Baker's Cream Faith.
1: Well, I've got a lot of different players. I use really high end guys. Um, I'm using, uh, Scott Tipping, who's a well-known Chicago guitar player for this gig. And, um. The bass player that on the road with me was Music of Cream, Chris Lone. Uh-huh. And but I also had um, um, Bobby Masalo, who's pretty well-known, Rick Fred who's with Chick Corea. Um, I use really high-end musicians um, for my gig. So unfortunately, I don't have the same band every time because they're always on the road with someone huge. Sure. So I have you know, um, multiple people. But I use all real high-end gear. But the gig on the third will be Chris Lone, who's uh, the bass player, like I said, with the music of Cream that played with me, and uh, Scott Tipping on guitar, who's a pretty well-known Chicago guy. He's really fantastic musicians, again. So it's, it's a lot of improv. We do Cream the way it was meant to be done. Yeah. And that means a lot of improvisation, and, um, you know, just we have a lot of fun on stage rather than, you know, just, like, playing the songs. and, and... See, that was the thing. After Cream, what Eric Clapton did... Was good, but it wasn't. It didn't have that jam aspect. It didn't have that improv aspect. Right. It wasn't free. Right, it was very poppy songs. Yeah. And you know, I mean, unfortunately, Will johns is is not a great musician in terms that he can't jam and he can't. He doesn't. He doesn't know any jazz. Uh huh. He just he knows
0: the straight song. Uh, as yeah. Eric was playing, it, which is still a pretty good feat to be able to play those songs. Uh, just you know on guitar and everything
1: well i mean that's the thing he's he's i mean i can out ginger baker ginger baker it, i have even be told this by Uli john rock
0: I, you probably um, have more I, playing experience than your dad ever did he spent a lot of time not playing
1: right we well, see i grew up playing jazz like my dad taught me and i yeah. joined steve Manning's band from humble pie um when i was 18 and i was on the road Doing all that kind. Of, I was more of a jazz guy, but I played the blues and rock And went back into fusion and did fusion records with Jonas Hellborg and the Mountain Orchestra and uh, Chris Poland from Megadeth, who's doing fusion and all of these, you know, fusion. Sean Lane, um, all these high-end fusion guys. So I was doing that, which is where you learn. My cream was my dad was a jazz guy, Jack was a jazz guy, yeah, and Eric was guy? but Eric has really good ears if you watch a lot of the cream stuff Eric's looking at my dad and looking at Jack he's watching and he's listening Uh fortunately you know Will didn't have that and that's what Malcolm and me was so frustrated we were trying to do cream oh yeah and and you know you've got to be as good as Eric you've got to be an Eric you've got to be as good as Eric to play that
0: yeah yeah, and like an also, Eric Scholar, someone who, who really right. knows the ins and outs of his music.
1: Right. I and, mean, if you listen to, you know, if you listen to Will, you'll hear that he doesn't have that, that yeah. sound. And it, so we, you need, like, I've got Scott Tipping, who's a well-versed guitar player. He, he knows everything. And you need to have someone who's, you know, really experienced and, and knows what they're doing to be an Eric Clapton or to play Eric Scholar. Yeah. Otherwise... It's, you know, otherwise it's a tribute band. And what I'm doing is not a tribute band. It's a legacy band. Yeah. I'm keeping my dad's legacy alive. It's like I say to people, if there's a glass blower or someone, you know, a guy who had a business and he brings his son in, teaches his son the business. And then he dies and his son takes over the business. The son's not doing a tribute to his dad. The son's carrying it on. Yeah. And that I'm doing. I'm carrying on my dad. My dad taught me from a very young age, he taught me from when I was three years old, uh, I was around him a lot, you know, during the, when I was a kid, he left when I was about seven, eight, and I, I spent the rest of my life following around the world, trying to be with him, take lessons from him, um, you know, I mean, you know, when I played with Eric at that gig, Eric came to me and said, man, you played your ass off, I had no idea you could play like that, and I'm like, well, what, what did you think? I
2: mean,
1: <laughs> look at my... Look at who I've played with. I've been playing my entire life with with great, you know, real pro players. And so and modeling
0: was, yourself after your dad and his style, and uh, you know, you took. It sounds like you took everything he gave you to heart. That you really, um, the limited times you had with him as a young kid, you you really like remembered it and and kept going yeah, I with mean, it.
1: He gave me when I saw him in Italy. He gave me a stack of papers that I took back to England and studied them and. Learn everything he taught me backwards and forwards, and then because when I first went out to Italy, we did a drum duet together, and uh, I talk about this on uh, on my gigs, which is really funny because right before we, the drum duet, I got really sick and um, I couldn't play the gig, and I said, like, "Dad, I can't play, I'm throwing up," and he he chopped out a line of cocaine for me, and I was <laughs> old, I'd never done cocaine in my life. How old were you? I, and I'm like, snort. I get like three quarters of the way through this line. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I get to the gig, I play it, and I'm home before they even left. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was like butting so much that I ate my ass off. So my dad said to me, he goes, look, you know, you've got a lot of feel, but you need to work on the technique. You've got to really practice your technique. You've got to sit there and do eight hours a day. That's what I used to do. And wow. I was like, okay. And so I took all this stuff home. And from the age of 14 to like 18, 19, I was doing eight, nine hours a day. I used to wake up, play, eat. I only used to eat a little bit. I was like 135 pounds, six foot tall. <laughs> oh, God. So I used to, all I did was practice, practice and practice wow. so much. I went back to see my dad. My dad was pissed at me. He was like, you've got too much technique. You can't do
0: <laughs> you got to have more feel.
2: feel
1: <laughs> I want you to forget your technique, you know, because it will get in the way of your feel. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to forget all this technique. I spent all this time learning this stuff. <laughs> so um, so now, um, you know, I... I Quite I, the I seesaw. Yeah. yeah. I, I still practice my ass off, but I, I you know, I, I listen to my dad, how he played. And um, luckily, before I even learned to play... To learn these songs for doing the Cream stuff because I was always in diffusion. When I played them, when people would call out, "Play White Room" "Play Sunshine" or play any of these songs, I just played them by how I felt them, and I played them exactly the same way as my dad because my dad taught me. So I would play, and I had the same, you know, outlook on the songs. So, so, um, so do you consider so yourself that, a,
0: like a jazz uh, a a jazz drummer? I mean, is that kind of what your background is as well? Because you're, you know. Yeah, you're...
1: I mean, I've, I've spent a lot more time playing jazz than I have playing rock. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. all the big gigs i played, the Uli John Roth, you know, um, Steve Marritt, all of the really big gigs i played have been rock because that's where your money is. The same with my dad. I mean, my dad's royalty checks from Cream were, you know, big checks. His checks from jazz, from his jazz record, were like 25 bucks. Yeah. You right. Know? Uh, so, I mean, unfortunately, jazz is more of a you know specific genre that people musicians mainly like and musicians don't have any money especially <laughs> jazz musicians yeah so uh, you know so i mean but i love playing the rock because it's not really rock i mean if you listen to this is what people that, that play with me for the first time or or listen to me play though so, yeah you've got this kind of kick drum thing going on underneath the music and i'm like because my dad came from jazz, so he put that left foot jazz thing onto the left foot kick drum, and used that upbeat bass drum pattern across the right foot playing the on beat, and um, that's what gives you all those beats. And so my, you know, I consider myself a jazz player, and my dad was definitely a jazz player. But we just, I'm a heavy player, and my dad was a heavy player. So my dad used to get told, "You're too heavy to play jazz. You've got to play quieter." And then, you know, too jazzy to play rock. So, you know, Cream was was kind of his outlet to play what he wanted to play and play it the way he wanted to play it.
0: Yeah, they really, they, they were so cutting edge at the time. And and to have the bass player, you know, Jack Bruce doing the singing, that seemed like a, a different kind of thing back then too. Usually the guitar player or... Uh, yeah. in, in your band, does the bass player do the singing or who does the singing with uh, the... <laughs>
2: Our guitar
1: player does most of the singing, but it changes depending on the musicians. Sure, um, sure. Scott Tipping does most of the singing. Chris does a little bit, because um, Scott Tipping's a good singer. Now, Eric got his vocals together later on. but He sure he, did, yeah. He did sing a little bit, but he just wasn't... He didn't really feel his vocals were that good, because Jack was, like, knocking it out of the park. Yeah, Jack he
0: had a beautiful like, voice, Jack. Jack yeah, that's
1: yeah was the bass voice. So it's hard to find a bass player... That has that voice. It's easier to find sure. a guitar player that has that voice. Yeah. So that's
0: so what I that's mean. That's you don't see too music. many bass players at the front of the stage like that doing the singing, and uh, so that was no, a I'm, little bit of a different thing. Yeah. Or drummers. Do do you do any singing?
1: I, I do. I do press flat, and I do blue conditions sometimes. Um, I sing a little bit. Um, there's a there's a sing, there's a thing on YouTube where we did. Um, uh blue condition and i did it with will johns at the time again it, you know the guitar playing isn't that great so you have to you know kind of uh, i mean will was i mean i had to play with will because he was eric's nephew and the manager forced it on <laughs> it was. yeah
0: yeah well that's that, that's so interesting that you know somebody who happens to be related by Eric Clapton by blo- by marriage not necessarily even that great of a guitar player gets a gig like that uh when it probably would have made sense to you know go with that right. legacy notion and have you and Malcolm right. and then someone who could really do the the Eric Clapton part filling in the gap there and and really continuing the music but right
1: uh, well that's that's why I had to leave, yeah. and that's why I had to leave the thing. I had a big blowout with right. big Will on the road. Yeah, and, and,
0: and then, then for the good. manager to focus on on the one guy who didn't, you know, had right. no blood relationship with uh, yeah, any of the prior it's members. All
1: about, it's all about money. Yeah. You see, amazing. Now, you see, this proves what he did. He got he got Nathan East's son in the band who plays keyboards. He got him in the band. So that he could get Nathan East to say to Eric, "Hey Eric, let's promote this band because my son's in it," which is great. A good father, yeah. Nathan East, great father to his son because, and his son's a great player. But the manager just does things like that, puts people in the band just to get notoriety and get the the, the money in. And I think that's right. the wrong way. The music business should be number one about the music, yeah, not about. You know who's who's doing this and why I want this for this. You know and that, and that's unfortunate. That the music business is very much like that. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's about who we, you know, names rather than playing.
0: Well, and this you is know, a kind is- of a small. Uh, by the way, everybody, I'm talking to Kofi Baker, uh, Ginger Baker's son, who is the drummer for Cream and and Blind Faith. Uh, for those of you just checking in, uh, but but Kofi, um, you know, I understand that that, uh, there are these, it, what, what you're talking about is a very niche area of music where, where there's uh, a desire to recreate a sound or a band that, you know, had uh, a big impression on people in the past, you know, fortunately it, but you looked at it as, Hey, uh, this is my father's legacy. I want to carry this forward. You know, I'm not just here to you know, sound just like my dad. I'm here to to take it to that next level, and you know, I don't know, um, introduce Cream. it to future generations.
1: Right, because Cream never sounded anything like the album live. They they were completely oh, different. Yeah, every gig, every gig they played. My dad used to tell me, he said, "Look, if I played the same way from gig to gig, I would be pissed. I want to play it different every gig, and that's what my dad. If you listen to the reunion, to when Cream. Unfortunately, I think the reunion was kind of very tame because they were all kind of um, in a different position. I'm uh-huh. doing Cream, that did it in the '60s. Right, I'm right. Doing fire, and you're talking and about the, the
0: 2005 reunion with Eric and Jack yeah. and and your dad. It was great. Yeah,
1: it was really. But cool. Eric's in a different place. Sure. Uh, Jack had got off being like you know out of the hospital was you know had a uh, t- uh, transplant was it. Um, a kidney transplant or something. Uh-huh. I don't know what it was. But I
2: don't know.
1: He just had a transplant, so he wasn't too well. My dad, my dad didn't really play that much, you know. After after all those things, he was more into horses and and playing polo. Right. He tried to get a polo later on and say, oh, forget about the drumming, you'll never make a living, play polo. And I'm like, I'm really going to make a living playing polo. (laughs) I mean, that's when you lost all your money, was playing polo, buying polo polo horses and playing polos, where all your money went? So what what am I supposed to do here? Yeah. So I, that side of things, but, so the reunion to me was really good. I went there and I know dad and Jack got into an argument again and and it's was like, I, deal with this anymore so that was (laughs) that was they did the the, the, uh royal abbott hall and madison square gardens and that was it and i said well this is good shit i mean i've been playing jazz i was playing in a fusion band i was playing with chris poland at the time in a band called ohm playing fusion and i was like you know what i'm tired of playing fusion you know i'm tired of playing six thousand notes in front of six people you know um i want to play my dad's stuff because this is good shit so that's when I started saying to my dad, you know, I'm going to learn the stuff. And my dad at that time was, oh, well, yeah, you, know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm the greatest, you know. And, oh, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do it because you're not doing it. And uh, unfortunately, that's when he got married to Cootsie and I kind of lost communication with him. Uh. I did a world role- interview where they asked me, I said, well, my dad's really dead to me. They put that as the headline.
0: You I know, saw that. Boys, yeah. That and it doesn't sound like that no, was really I, the case. It just it no. took it out of
1: context. Yeah. I was just trying to say that, you know, um, I don't have a relationship with my dad since Kutzee's involved. She, she wants full, you know, family rights and she doesn't want him talking to the old family. And she, you know, she was just a very, I don't know, a weird person. I, I couldn't figure out what her deal was, but, um, but there you go. So, you know, um, I, I could tell you some things about it, but probably not on air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no worries. No worries. I, uh, I wanted to talk with you more about, you know, some of your other music too. I mean, you must have a real personal love for the jazz fusion kind of work. And, you know, I, uh, I'll tell you, I saw you um, playing at uh, the uh, Browntown festival in 2021. And, uh, uh, you know, you just blew the crowd away. It was uh, a lot I was, of times.
1: Again, I I was having to play behind their drama because they were having a problem. Their drama didn't want to play any indoor gigs because of the pandemic, which is understandable, yeah. but i I'm, I'm, I'm a, I got vaccinated because I had to be for everything. So I'm like, I'm fully vaccinated so I can play the indoor shows. He was an anti-vaxxer. So he, you know, so he couldn't play indoor shows. So I was going to step in for him while this vaccination stuff was going on. So that's how I ended up on that gig. Um, but that was an open air gig. So he wanted to play it. So they had me in just kind of playing behind him. So that wasn't really, I didn't really get to do my thing. Right. Um, right. See me play at the gig uh, on the third, that will be me doing my thing.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Sure. Um, are you going to play any, any songs that, you know, aren't part of cream or blind faith? You know, some of your, uh, some Uh, of your original kind of things.
1: Sometimes we do, but, um, Right now, I'm keeping it pretty much to my dad's legacy. Sure. Once I get that established, then I'm going to start throwing in some originals. I'm actually releasing a religion, uh, original album in the next couple of months that I wrote with my cousin on my dad's side. So it's my oh, dad's sister's uh, kid's kid. So it's, uh, I suppose it's my dad's grandson.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, Wait, your dad's, dad's sister's son. kid's kid? kid. So it's your so it's your cousin, uh, second cousin, third cousin?
1: Yeah, something yeah. like that. So what would that yeah. be? Dad, uh, okay. So
0: uh, to your dad, it sounds like it's his uh, great a great nephew.
1: Right, okay. So we, we wrote an album, <laughs> and uh, it's a great album. He's a great song. He's a young guy. He's like 28, 29. Um, oh, that's and fun. He's, you know, yeah. And he's he wrote really cool stuff. And um, so that's going to be released... And I'm actually using some of my mom's artwork on the album cover as well.
0: Oh, that's uh, nice. So your mom uh was an artist?
1: Yeah, my mom was an artist, um, you know, and she did some great work, especially when she was tripping on LSD. She did some great things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, it, that does of,
0: inspire like, creativity for sure, but sometimes yeah. you know it's hard to control. People have trouble controlling well, I mean, their
1: uh my, dad, my their, dad was doing LSD on stage, and I was like, how would you do that? He was like <laughs> it was amazing. We'd be playing and there'd be all the arms coming out of the audience <laughs> and they're coming out. I'm like, how, I mean, cream were like, when my dad was doing cream, he got back into herring. And, um, so he was pretty out of it on a lot of those gigs. And oh, uh, that yeah. was a lot. lot Cause they were all like doing all different drugs. My dad was really into herring. I think Jack got into herring. I think Eric was more into alcohol at the time.
0: He had a heroin um, problem too. I believe at some point, he did. Uh, I think he Eric. got back
1: later on. That yeah. was later on. Um but um yeah, so I mean they were, they were out their heads playing, so um I just stick to stick to pot. I think <laughs> pot's the only one.
0: There you go. Good. Yeah. Um, well you're in the wrong state for pot, by the way. Being I know, in i mean, that's why I like because
1: Michigan it's legal, right?
0: Yeah, it is, yes.
1: See, so you know <laughs> I have, I have edibles too. I don't smoke it, I only eat it. So anybody in Michigan who wants to throw me an edible uh, on the gig, so let me know <laughs>
0: okay oh, <definitely. laughs> that sounds good uh, uh, so with your um this this new album you 're coming out with your now i 'm thinking i think it's would be your uh first cousin once removed i i 'm pretty sure that that would be the designation <laughs> but uh right. so uh, are there lyrics to the to the music or is it simple yeah,
2: it's, it's, um, it's
1: songs it 's kind of a yeah. it's like it's like um it 's very uh kind of it's kind of like cream but modern verse but modern like a modern cream oh um, nice of, so it's it's um you know there's a lot of jammy parts in it and it's very trippy it's very psychedelic um so it's it's a definitely i don't know what box to put it in some people say it's kind of like a fish kind of you know grateful dead fish fish kind of oh a, yeah
0: like extended jams and things like that i, I love that kind of stuff
1: I mean, there's not too many extended dams on the live. on. I mean, sure, on the, not on the,
0: on, the, album. on the album. Yeah, but, yeah. But but, when you guys we play we it live.
1: Have, yeah, but we do have some like, you know, we do stretch out a lot. And I do some stretch out and some drum stuff and do all kinds of.
0: So who plays with you drum. and your cousin on on with that album? I mean, you must have other musicians and stuff.
1: Right, well, that's guys that um, I use, different bass players. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy Bob, I use in Europe, but when I played in Europe, I used him. Um and um, and actually, my cousin plays bass on a lot of it. He plays a lot of the other stuff. Oh, I actually, I play keyboards, so I co-wrote a lot of the music on keyboards. But he plays keyboards better than me, so he ended up doing the keyboard
0: part. I see. So you play keyboards too? I mean, it's it's not like a, you know, I mean, I can imagine a drummer also playing other types of percussion as part of their you know drumming. But you've got a whole different kind of. I mean, I guess a piano's technically percussion, but it's still, uh, right,
1: but my, same thing. My dad played piano. How do you oh, think I didn't he wrote, know that? Uh, press around How do you think he wrote, um, blue condition? He wrote those songs. So uh, he yeah. wrote them. Yeah. Um, also, he could write out the music for bass clef and treble cleft. He could write all of that stuff out. He was a very school jazz musician.
0: Right, right. He, 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 was, had a, he had a, he had an education he, in music where he right. was able to read and write music do you, and are, do you dad, too are you able to read and write music and he okay. taught me to read music when I was
1: fourteen he made uh-huh. and I actually got i used to play uh, pit gigs where I was in the pit um, with all the pit musicians playing you know shows where there's all these people on stage and I was behind you know behind underneath the stage actually in front underneath the stage doing doing gigs like that sure i didn't sight reading gigs when I was a kid it's what kept me, kept me alive mm-hmm. because those were the good-paying gigs.
0: Yeah, um, right. They're consistent. It was for, like a corporate gig almost to play in a, right, for a, right. in a theater in the pit
1: Right,
0: as part of a symphony so I, or whatever. I grew,
1: up, I grew up doing that kind of stuff and writing out when I got a gig with a band, even if it's a rock band, I instead of sitting there learning the songs, I'd just write them out. And then the only unfortunate thing I found out about when I wrote songs out is I had to have the piece of paper. If you took the piece of paper away from me, I was lost. Oh, after you learned, wrote it,
0: you had trouble remembering yeah.
1: the, the. Well, I mean, you can remember it, but for some reason, when you're reading, you rely on the piece of paper.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: You know, but when you learn it by ear, you learn songs quicker because you you have to learn it and you have to remember it. But when you're reading, you don't have to remember it so much. You yeah. just
2: have
1: the piece of paper and you rely on that. So that's the only drawback from, from reading it, it. I found it it kind of stopped me learning the songs as quick.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. So what are your songs uh about? You know, what uh, kind of themes do you do you have with your songs?
1: Well, I, one of my songs is called Crimea and it's about the whole Crimea oh, thing.
0: Yeah. No. Right. It's
1: very um it's very um very topical. This guy, my cousin uh, Rob, he's very very, you know, very a genius songwriter. Um and he, you know, he just, he, he takes uh, topics that are very current and writes them. I, I, I want to get this album released uh, soon so it's current with everything that's going on. But um, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, it's very, um, and again, like I said, it's not, they're not serious songs. They're not like trying to be political songs or anything, but they just have very current um, themes. Messages.
0: Yeah. Messages. Yeah. Uh, other than the acorn, where else are you uh, going to be playing with the, kofi baker uh cream cream um faith
1: i don't know i have to look at the <laughs> kofi baker thing. okay it's
0: on the website
1: um, I, yeah i give all my gigs to my girlfriend and she puts them on the website and then i look at where i'm going <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: tell I, me where I, to be
1: <laughs> i'm having to do these videos So all the clubs are going. we need a video we need a video for that and i said this is a new band i have old videos and so I'm like scrambling to do videos. So I just did uh, videos at my gig last weekend where I, um, I'm having my bass player edit it. And there's one for the Acorn that was doing a shout out. And I'm gonna put all those videos out to promote the gigs in the next day or so. Um, so uh, on my social media, uh, the Kofi Baker Facebook band page or uh, Instagram, or just, you, know, you can look at my website, KofiBaker.com for where I'm playing. Um, so all of those videos will be out soon. And like I said, this is a new band. So it's going to take us a few months before we have enough videos of us playing live to, you know, put out a whole live gig of us playing.
0: Yeah. And you're talking about the band you have with your cousin, or are you talking about, uh, the, uh, oh, the, the cream, cream faith, No,
1: the cream, the cream faith band, the band yeah, I have with yeah. my cousin. We haven't, he lives in England. I live in America. So, um, it's a bit of a long distance band. We're going to, we plan to maybe tour that at the end of the summer. Once we've got the album out and um, you know, I have to, my, my focus right now is to really, like you said, get the younger generation and turn everybody onto what cream and Brian fake were doing, because they were doing something that people don't do anymore.
0: It was timeless and, really. I mean, it, it pers- uh, the, the significance of it persists to today. It's, uh, well, it's new today to listen uh, to that stuff.
1: And I totally tell people, if you, go, if you go see, you know, Taylor Swift or Britney Spears or any of these people that, that are playing, there's a big show, visual show. And the reason there's so much visual show is because if you closed your eyes, <laughs> the music would be boring as shit. <laughs> I was so, afraid
0: yeah. you were going to say that. I, I'm not myself a Taylor Swift fan, but there are people out there who just love Taylor Swift. And
1: I, mean, uh, I like no, I like Taylor Swift and I like Britney Spears, I like the stuff you do, but I'm just saying it's it's more of a a dance, it's dance music and watch people dance. You could dance to Cream, but Cream and Blind Faith were more about just closing your eyes and getting into the music. Right. And, and it was more about what the music said to you rather than the you know
0: the, lyrics. the dance,
1: you know, that, 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 that. You know, that's all it was. With cream, it was and blind faith. It was the music that took you somewhere, not the visual.
0: Right, right. Uh, I I hear yeah. you. I I absolutely agree. And I, I I think you can dance to that stuff. I do. You know, you just kind of groove yeah, to you it. Can you can just dance with,
1: you can dance with your eyes closed. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's right. <laughs> it's more about uh, you were dancing because it was more about your not watching what these Kohlgarth dancers are doing and you know Because nowadays. It's so funny, the kids, like, there's a dance-out, and the kids, my girlfriend's got a 12-year-old kid, and every time there's a dance-out, the kids are doing a certain dance. And it's like, that's, that's what music business is now. It's about the dance that goes along with the Macarena, the this, the that. Right,
0: you know, that, the line dancing and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that wasn't yeah. the thing back in the 60s. It was however you felt the music translated, you danced you know that's that's
0: still around i mean that's that's the whole jam band scene although i just you know that has such a negative connotation but that's that's the essence of uh the fish songs and grateful dad and widespread panic and string cheese it's all that that improvisation that that you know continual groove kind of feeling and so glad that you picked that up with your cousin and that you guys are creating music like that with the background that you have of, uh, you know, spending your life, uh, creating this legacy for your dad. I I think it's this new band is going to be, is going to be outstanding. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you have a platform to be able to, to get that out there.
1: Yeah. Well, I love doing it. I mean, this is the main thing. It's just so much fun. I mean, for me, um, playing the fusion and the jazz was fun, but I had to think a lot. I was to, you know, 7-8-bar, 9-8-bar, yeah. you know, fun. With, with my dad's music, it's, it flows, and it was designed to be more of a... It, I mean, I think it was it was designed so they could play it wasted.
0: I mean, uh, and just, just uh, keep going, just keep moving yeah. with it. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's, that's, and that's the, the people, the audience, I need to get to. I need to get to the people... At, no cream and blind faith. And also the younger generation that were grateful Dead, the fish, the string, the cheese, all those people are going to love what we do.
0: They're and out
2: that's there. Why,
1: <laughs> you know, that's the, that's, that's, the market I'm trying to hit. And that's what I need help with. Anybody in that, that knows that, you know, tell, tell your friends, because that's the kind of music we're doing. We're doing the, the 60s stuff with that, that jam thing where all those bands came from. Cream was the first jam band was the first one to do it
0: yeah yeah well grateful dead and allman brothers were out there too and uh
1: yeah but why were they out there yeah right i mean 66 67 you know um i don't know if grateful dead were really they they were more 65
0: but yeah i think um i don't think uh the allman brothers came out to like 69 so you're right about that um but it all was happening at that same time and i don't think anyone was like oh we're better than this band we're better you know they are all they all jam together
1: my dad dad thought he was better than everybody
0: (laughs) (laughs) except your dad maybe (laughs) so
1: my dad is you know
0: anyway yeah he's quite a personality uh so you know you you got to spend some time some you know really nice time with him at a certain points in your life where he taught you how to play drums and, and, uh, yeah. you know, what, what did that look like? I mean, you know, did he, did he have you sit behind the drums and then he had you play and tell you about it? or you know, how, how did that go? Or did he just have you watch it, him?
1: It was, it was done by fear. <laughs> um, it was like, you did it right, play this and play it right. Or I'll beat the hell out of you kind of thing. Oh boy. Uh, so it was. I was scared shitless of my dad. I mean, he used to, he used to spank the hell out of me. He used to take his rings off one by one, and he had a ring on every finger uh, before he spanked me. And I'd be like, cry my eyes out before. And he, you know, later on in life, he said, "You're lucky I took my rings off." I'm like, I suppose I am. <laughs> but you know, so, like, with reading music, he gave me three days to read music in, and I had to get it right. And so it was. Wow. Um, it, it Teaching was by right intimidation. Here. Yeah. I mean and so but I really wanted to I really wanted to make my dad proud of me. That was my my whole life. That's why I practiced so much and that's why I got into jazz and fusion because I wanted to I wanted to go past my dad. I wanted to pass him. Which technically I did. I mean I, I technically was doing things that when I was staying with my dad in Colorado, I was living in the guest house and I'd be practicing and he would barge in the room, and go, What are you playing? I'm like I'm doing sixteenth note trippers with the kick drums on drum, because you can't do that. That's way too fast of a kick drum pattern. That you shouldn't be doing that stuff. And then three or four years later, he's playing it. He's playing it.
0: <laughs> That's Bastard.
1: great. You know, I mean, so you know, he I took what he taught me and I went past I took everything till I could play it the way he did it and then I did it all different ways and I, I also took in People, other people's drumming, John Bonham, I loved some of the John Bonham stuff. Yeah. Terry Bozio, Vinnie Caluta, um Simon Phillips was another drum. I thought was great. Um, and uh, uh, what's that? Barbara Thompson's was a thing with um, John Heisman on drums that I was just like blown away by. Um, so there was a lot of drummers, apart from my dad, that I was studying with, um, you know, and, or listening to and studying what they played. So I kind of met, you know, mixed in a lot of that, that more modern because my dad didn't really play that fast. My dad had this beautiful feeling about how he played. It's the same with Gad. When I played with Steve Gad, I, I just he had that same kind of like just relaxed bubble that he had around his drumming.
2: Oh, and my yeah. dad didn't
1: play. He could play really simple fills and it was just like that's so beautiful. But for me, I would be trying to play more and trying to be more complex, which was great when I was doing the fusion, but didn't really translate to the cream and the blind face. So I've had to kind of back off my fusion chops and kind of learn how to just, you know, kind of, you know, I've been listening to the, a lot of my dad's stuff the last you know, few years, especially since he died. I was like, you know, I promised my dad right before he died, I promised I would keep his legacy and his drumming alive, so I better fucking listen to what he's doing um, and yeah. really you know, get into that. So I have. I've really been, you know, also when I played with Gad at the Eric Clapton uh, memorial to my dad, um, playing with Gad was like an eye opener for me. I just love Gad stuff. And I was like, OK, I'm going to study. And I called Steve up and I said, I've been I love your playing. And I've been studying your stuff. And I'm like, I never really studied your playing up until now. And now I'm, like, putting gadlicks in my, you know, my stuff and every day. Because I never stop learning. I'm always going to keep practicing and learning because music is as deep as you want to go. Um, and I think that's the great thing about music is you can just never stop learning. It just You can always keep going.
0: Yeah. I am so impressed that, you know, you spent a good part of your life learning how to play like your dad or learning from your dad how to play and modeling your drumming after him and then taking it to that next level and, you know, hearing other people and uh, other people that you uh, looked up to as drummers and being able to incorporate those types of things. So, you know, you, when you're, your dad had a, a relatively limited time in his life where he made drumming his his primary concern. You know, he got interested in the horses and he, you know found his his last wife and uh you know he had this whole life and played polo but you know you've spent your whole life uh, playing drums and uh taking that to the next level do you
1: Yeah well
0: right well yeah, I was going to say do do you find yourself ever uh, mentoring younger drummers or uh, other musicians and when you do I mean do you find yourself mirroring like how your dad treated you or or do you or do you take it no you turn it around and like, I know how I don't want to be treated. I'm going to treat this guy.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I, am completely, I had a drum school in California for 14 years in Orange, California. And, um, I would, you know, I I have a book out as well. You do. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's on, on, it's by Hal Leonard. It's called, you know, um, the forgotten foot. And it's about how my dad, because this is the thing. My dad's era of playing, the drummers came from jazz. All those drummers came from jazz.
0: Charlie Watts. All of drummers, yeah. You know,
1: yeah. All of those drummers came from jazz. So when they went to rock, they played it a certain way. Now, the drummers that listened to my dad and those people didn't know what they were playing. So they just listened to it and they just mimicked it, mimicked it the way they could, mm-hmm. which was wrong because my dad and jazz is all about the left foot. The left foot is your time keeper. Your left foot is the one that keeps the time. So they put that into rock. So the left foot was a very intricate part of drumming. And the drummers that came from that today are all right foot lead and all right foot and the left foot doesn't do anything. You can tell a really good drummer, like even the drummer from Red Hot Chili Peppers, watch his left foot. It's always going. Their left foot's going. And... And that's the thing that's missing in today's drumming. If you watch a lot of drummers today, their left foot does nothing. And is that and left foot
0: playing like the hi-hat or the um, the bass drum?
1: Well, this, this is the thing. It started on the left foot on the hi-hat because back in those days, there wasn't two kick drums or double pedals. And then when my dad got the, my dad was one of the first drummers to have double bass drum. Baby Dodds was the first guy in jazz and then my dad did it. And uh. what they did was they left jazz technique and put it on the bass drum which gave you these grooves which my dad taught me so when i'm i had to put out a book because i was knowing when i was teaching people that these especially if i had students that have been playing for a while it's like they've been driving an automatic car for 10 years and i just put them in a stick shift and they were like oh no (laughs) i can't (laughs) and to try and play what they could play they couldn't with the left foot because you bring the left foot in it messed up their other three limbs. So they were like, "I had to have a lot of drummers where I just had to teach them three limbs." And and because they couldn't, they couldn't. It was too late for them to put the left foot in. So I put out this book to try and get the people from the beginning to learn how to drive the stick shift version of drums so that you can do anything. So that was that was why I put the book out because yeah. a lot of a lot of those drum things that my dad plays are left foot leading and you can't, lead, you can't do that when you're leading with your right foot. It puts you on a whole different, just, just the wrong way around because you have to hit a downbeat and you can't have your right foot on a 16th note on an upbeat when your downbeat's there. So there's all these kind of things that it causes problems with and you can't even make the grooves that my dad played without that jazz left foot bass compact.
0: So. Wow, yeah, I'm, I bet that most people don't even realize that when they see drummers drumming. That's that's really right. insightful. Yeah, thank. So, so Kofi, first- I, I sure. really want to thank you for coming on the show uh, and looking forward to seeing you at the Acorn Theater on February 3rd, Kofi Baker's uh, Cream Faith. And... Uh, it's gonna be a really exciting show. I'm looking forward to this album coming out. Do you know when your album's planning to come out? Sometime in the next six uh, probably,
1: months. Probably end of spring, beginning of summer. All oh, right. Okay. okay. And that'll be
0: months. there. There'll be announcements through your social media and stuff like that. I bet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because
1: it's being at the moment we're mixing it right now. Mixing takes a little bit of time because you yeah. have to so it's mixed right and sure. Begins. So that's where it's in. Like, it's just being mixed. Oh, so it's just off-work. yeah. I got yeah. you. So
0: it's being mixed. It's being mastered and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Great. that's where it's at right now. All right. Well, again, thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing you a week from Saturday. And uh, yep. Take care. Wow. That was uh, that was Kofi Baker, son of Ginger Baker, and um, playing at the Acorn on February third with Kofi Baker's Cream Faith. Looking forward to seeing that. And uh, you've been listening to Johnny Secret Stash, and I'm John Goldman. And you're listening to us on uh, Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 out of Three Oaks, and uh, WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer. And uh, that's it for today. Good night, everybody.